Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatory, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the ups and downs of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime there, Doug Dillinger. I'll let you come out here and take a shot on me. Wait till he finds out what's behind door number one. Something down the road at the Silverdome in six playing to an empty house. Because the real deal is here. Oh, here he comes. Get that fat duck ass out here. I'll tell you something, Mike. He's not done yet. This man, Tank Abbott, is making a name for himself. How are you this week, Dan? I'm very well, mate. I'm very good. And another Friday's rolled around and it's time to talk about some Tank Abbott. So I'm feeling fine. I'll probably be sweating a bit in, uh, in a little while because because of what I'm drinking. But we'll get to that soon enough. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm a little bit worried that uh, Storm uh, Arwen might... Uh... Whiskers away, like uh, Dorothy's house in The Wizard of Oz, but... Oh, is that what they're calling it now? I just knew it was really fucking windy outside. I've not seen a weather forecast for a few days. It's got a name now, which uh, never happens in Britain, does it? Oh, no, never, never. Um, although, with it being called Storm Arwin, I will just refer to it as Storm Arsel. As long, if, it cannot, if it can hang fire until I've got me click and collect tomorrow, that'd be lovely. <laughs> Superb. So you just mentioned about what you were drinking there, Dan. What are you drinking? Yes, I've gone back to our friends at Vocation Brewery. I've gone for one of. I've got their special edition All Souls Chocolate and Chili Stout. It's ten uh, percent. It's very rich. It's very smooth, and I can just feel the heat behind it. I've had a couple of swigs, and I know this is going to build. But also, it's got a really awesome. I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but it's got a really awesome Day of the Dead uh, inspired skull on the can. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. I, yeah. I was a little bit worried that we were drinking the same thing when you held the can up there, because I've gone for Vocation Brewery from the uh, Barrel Edge <laughs> series. I've gone for Imperial Banana, which is a chocolate and ba- banana stout, and that's 11.4%. Oh, you had to top trump me, you prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me just try and untap this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you can keep that one for me, though. I can't be doing with banana-flavoured stuff. Banana's rancid. If we go that long, my next beer up, though, is uh, from the Yorkshire Dales Brewing Company. It's called Impassioned, and it's a raspberry passion fruit and rhubarb sour. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, I do have one that I've put in the cupboard. I did debate putting it in the fridge for tonight. Uh, I got it from the beer house. I may have it on a future episode. It's called the uh, Sour of Skull, and it's a He-Man themed. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that so that, that, that's coming up, but we'll have to see how we go. Uh, definitely have that at some point, but if I do crack into something, it'll be uh, something else most likely. So the fight that we're going to cover tonight is Tank Abbott versus the Maestro. Yeah, I can, I can see this being a, a, a 60-minute technical classic. Well, just on that, we'll just run through a, a few of the things that happened on the show. So there was uh, Billy Kidman versus Psychosis. I actually watched that not long before recording. It was a really bloody good match, considering it was Kidman's fourth match in 24 hours. He was uh, he looked fantastic, and they really played to him being uh, you know being banged up after going through the, the three matches that sold out. Yeah, it did feel in 2000 uh, for a short time that um, they were trying to position um, Kidman as being the next big thing. 
Um, yeah. Maybe the next big thing, but the next, next, next big thing. I mean, they kept saying that'll be in the future, but yeah. <laughs> it's certainly well, bringing it was, him up. How many people did they allow to stand up to Hogan the way he did? Well, yeah, obviously that happens when you know they do the reboots uh, when uh, Russo and Bischoff um, come back at, after this creative period. But he, even so, even at this time, uh, you know, he, he was sort of trusted to fill that big gap that sold out um, that had been left by the uh, Jarrett injury and Benoit going into the main event. Uh, and uh, as you say, you know, he's um, having multiple matches and he's looking decent on cards. So there's several booking committees so uh, creative periods that are pushing him at this point just a, a quick beer update i hope it didn't come out on the on the recording but i just had a very small burp that i stifled and everything went up my nose and now my nostrils hurt thanks so, yeah there's a good bit of chili in this uh, this vocation beer for you uh, for your spice lovers out there yeah you should have gone for the banana version I'd <laughs> Talking about Chris Benoit uh, sold out, so Arn Anderson addresses the Chris Benoit issue because he's buggered off to the World Wrestling Federation. Now, during the match, they had had Sid put his uh, foot on the rope and um, they still counted three, so there's a little bit of ambiguity just in case because mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan was uh, hedging his bets. So the title is vacant again for the second time in two days. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great shame because as we've seen on Unbooking the territory, uh, the the booking of the radicals after they went over wasn't the best. Admittedly, I think at this point, I was going to say Benoit was getting the better of it, but I can't quite reconcile the timeline in my head. It was either the Intercontinental Champion, or he was in that god awful angle that we don't need to speak any more about with Malenko, uh, the Hardy Boys, and Lita. Oh, well, he hadn't actually arrived in WWF at this point. I mean, it literally, he'd left WCW the previous night. So yes, he did. I am completely beats. stupid. But he, he does go into that god awful storyline with uh, Malenko and Lita. It, it's just horrific. Yeah, sorry, popping backwards and forwards has just completely fried my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevin Nash's first day on the job as the WCW commissioner, and he's got Nazi bodyguards oh. waiting outside his office. Sorry, alleged. Nazi bodyguards that have SS tattoos and wear SS shirts in later years in TNA. Yeah, it's not, it's not good, is it? That, that aside, if you can say that, you know, that aside, um, NWO, uh, is it, this is about the NWO 2000 time? Is yes, it? yeah. The, I guess the problem with NWO 2000 at this point is obviously Jarrett's gone out injured after uh, Benoit did that um, headbutt off the top of the cage onto him. Bret yeah, Hart's now injured it. after the Goldberg incident at Starcade. It might have taken about a month to realise he had the post-concussion syndrome. But yeah, he's he's out. Scott Hall's out injured. Um, so we're effectively left with Kevin Nash. Oh, Stein is out injured as well, I think, at this point. So yeah, it's... Um, yeah, but you do, you do still have Steiner and Jarrett on the show. Uh, they are still there. They're, they're knocking about Steiner. Um, on this show, cuts uh, cuts a promo just running down Ohio. I think he beats up the the college football mascot and, and all the rest of it. So there's still a presence, if not if not an in ring force. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. We get Big T versus Booker T. So Booker's still hanging on to his T at this point, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he won't he long for the T. It was an odd match that one. Again, it's another one that I managed to just sort of skip through and catch. Booker cut a promo beforehand saying that he, you know, he remembers where he came from and all this shit. Uh, running down Stevie Ray and Big T. 
So Stevie and Big T go to the ring and call Booker out. Booker comes out in his street clothes. Stevie makes a great crack about Booker shopping at the same place that Mike Tanay does. And Mike Tanay's just a, on commentary. Why is he bringing me into this? What's going on? And then they essentially wrestle in street clothes, which is amazing given Booker's, you know, running the ropes and hitting moves. And it's it doesn't go very long. And Stevie Ray wins by whacking Booker in the back of the head with a slapjack. But... It, you know, it furthered the story, and we're we're a little bit closer to uh, to Booker getting his uh, his dodgy music. Well, I don't know where Mike Tanay shops, but I do remember Stevie Ray cutting that promo on him, um, saying about his Bruno Magli shoes. Yes, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah so maybe uh, he's wearing Bruno Magli shoes. Also on this uh, card, we've got Three Count versus David Flair and Crowbar, and they've got Daphne with them. And Miss Hancock's watching in the aisle as part of her uh, standards and practice gimmick at this point. But is this the start of the love triangle between uh, David Flair, Miss Hancock and Daphne? Could well be. I didn't actually get a chance to watch that match. Um, I'm probably going to go back and watch it after this. Just to, you know, just have a look. I believe at this point, Crowbar and David Flair are tag champions. Yeah, I think they are, yeah. And obviously, you know, really like Crowbar, really like Daphne, really like Three Count. So, yeah. And we're, uh, we're, we're just, uh, we're still pre-Three Count superfan Tank Abbott, so. Yeah, yeah, but there the may be seeds being planted in the not-too-far distant future. We get Disco Inferno versus Vampiro. Next. <laughs> Fuck um, Disco Inferno. <laughs> Kevin Nash is going to address the entire roster as uh, part of his new commissionership. Yeah, it won't be as good as the reboot, so I'm not going to bother. Yeah, we get the Varsity Club versus um, Team 2000. It was uh, Mike Rotundo and Rick Steiner okay. against uh, Masahiro Chona and Super J, who I just found out was Jeff Farmer. And they, actually, they put far more story into this, uh, into that match than, than it needed. Because the the ran through on commentary a whole backstory of Rotundo being in NWO Japan and now Chono and Super J mad at um, uh, mad at Rotundo for leaving NWO Japan uh, to come back to America. Wow! So they had uh, they had a uh, yeah, and there was a couple of other bits and pieces as well. There was just way more behind that match than the the ever needed to be. Yeah, and, and Jeff Farmer's the fake Sting. They even referenced that. Wow. On commentary, said he was. They didn't call him fake sting. They called him NWO sting. <laughs> NWO sting. Yeah. We've got Sid versus the Wall. Again, not a chance to watch that. I uh, I may well watch that because I've been quite impressed with the Wall and obviously Sid is Sid. Any reason to watch that dub? Or listen to that yeah. dub, I should say. For anyone who's worried about the taking away um, the use of uh, Visa credit cards on, is it Amazon that they're stopping using Visa credit cards on? Don't oh, worry. Yeah, there's the WCW Mastercard, and there's an advert with Sting. This advert, I, I made a point of watching it as soon as I saw it on the listing for this episode. It was the first thing I went to. But it's glorious. Sting is there in full face paint and ring gear, looking at a painting of himself in sort of you know your Andy Warhol pop art style, and you know he says how much, and this guy is saying oh it's priceless, you can't afford it, and Sting looks dramatically at the camera. Money's no object. I've got the power of the card in some sort of Yu-Gi-Oh reject line, and then it all goes mad about all these, you know, this WCW range of credit cards. And of all people, Conan was on one. Conan was massive in Mexico. 
I don't know. I just I never recall him being that big in in WCW. But I suppose if they're going for that for that market, then why not? Yeah, we will get Lex Luger versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Going back to uh, to nineteen ninety three in the year two thousand. Funny enough, I had that match on just be, uh, just before we started recording. My dad walked in. He clocked them both straight away. Knew who they were. Although he did call Lex Luger Lex Luthor. Well, that, that's who he'd based his character on. So uh, he was certainly stealing his intellectual property right, even if he wasn't Lex Luthor. <laughs> and it's easily slipping the tongue, isn't it, really? It is. And we're uh, still rolling on with the uh, Bagwell-DDP rivalry. Yeah, but it was uh, actually really good to see Bagwell and DDP main eventing. We've referenced it many times, the whole sort of face-to-face six minutes of of chatting before the batter each other thing. Uh, but this had the added dimension of Kimberly was the guest referee. Yeah. Um, it was, I'll be honest, I've had it on in the background. I've not been really been paying attention, but it seemed a good match. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this rivalry. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah. So my, my tongue will turn black, uh, turn black for saying it because it's Bagwell, but <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not Jarrett. Yeah, buff the stuff and Dan just can't get enough. No, that definitely can. <laughs> Before Maestro gets put in this match, Vince Russo's now left, but Ed Ferrara's noticed that he's um, stayed logged into his LinkedIn. So Ed Ferrara, Terry Taylor and Kevin Sullivan are going to sneak onto his uh, WCW laptop and log into the I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Was, 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 that, was that second name Terry Taylor? Yeah. Fuck Terry oh, Taylor. Fuck Terry Taylor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, wanted to, just wanted to interrupt to say that. <laughs> so they're going to um, go on LinkedIn and they're going to look at the qualities that might make Maestro an ideal opponent for Tank Abbott at this point. So the Maestro is the grand nephew of Gorgeous George. Yeah, and you can't fault that kind of lineage in wrestling. Gorgeous, Gorgeous George was obviously huge in the uh, in the forties and fifties. Yeah, he was the highest paid wrestler in the world in the fifties, apparently. Really believe that from uh, just from what I've read. I mean, the 1950s is kind of a golden age of wrestling. Um, you know, the, prior to what everyone talks about the territory days in the you know 60s and 70s, there had been national television on the Dupont Network, and uh, wrestling yes. had been active in the 50s. So yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd forgotten that. In fairness, um, yeah, it's, well, it, it's off. It's referenced now as the, sort of the first golden age of wrestling. Yeah. So Maestro had wrestled for Pembroke University and Iowa State. Amateur base. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's that classic amateur background. Then he'd uh, gone to training professional wrestling under Gene Anderson and Ivan Koloff. Again, you can't really fault that. It's a good, it's a good CV. Yeah. He debuts in 1990, and by 1992... He's uh, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and he feuds with Chris Candido for the uh, television title. Yeah, and just before that, he was in uh, ACW, which I think is American Championship Wrestling in was it in North Carolina. And he, uh, I believe, he was early on wrestling uh, Ivan Cole off his trainer and uh, and Whitehill McDaniel. Yeah, he was trusted at an early age to be put in there with him. Yeah, so his leg must have got better after uh, the uh, Greg Valentine attack. Fuck's sake. Apparently, that's one of the first t-shirts in wrestling that uh, I broke with Yahoo's ankle or whatever it was. <laughs> oh God, I believe it. And then it's that's probably where Earl Hebner got his idea for the. Uh, I remember at a TNA event years back, it was one of the Max Moomin Pactos. British crowds still had a habit of 
chanting you screw Brett nearly 20 years on from the screw job and uh, he knew it was going to happen so he took off his ref shirt and he had a shirt underneath that said you're damn right I did <laughs> you'd have thought he'd have got sponsored by Phillips or something you know <laughs> screw <laughs> Brett, <laughs> I bet he tried yeah in 1993, he appears on WCW Saturday Night and he jobs to Sting. Yeah, again, you know, I know it's I know it's quote unquote only a, only a jobber match, but they trusted him enough to put him in there. Yeah, by 1995, he's um, wrestling in the USWA as Gorgeous George the Third. Yeah, and I looked up uh, a few of the names he feuded with there as well. It was some of the uh, some of the top names in the territory. Really, when you look at Tommy Rich, Doug Gilbert. <laughs> Bill Dundee and then the Lawler father and son. Yeah. And in 97, he goes on to work um, in AAA and is at uh, Triple Mania 5 in a tag team with Jake Roberts. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a decent name to have on uh, the CV there, isn't it, as a tag team partner? Um, and I think actually while he was in AAA as well, uh, he was in a like an eight-man tag and faced, I don't know if it was the same guy, but uh, Cybernetico, who we saw yes. on one of the 95, 96 uh, brawls that we covered on UTT. Yeah, with one of the, with the really slow, plodding Lucha Libre that uh, yeah. we were trying to was proper Lucha Libre. Not this perhaps on Nitro. That was the real Lucha Libre. <laughs> exactly. So... Later on in 97, he actually ends up signing a WCW power plant contract. And when he's wrestling in WCW, he's basically sort of um, getting um, paid per appearance sort of thing. His average earnings uh, at this point are about um, $87,000 per year. Which is uh, a good chunk of change. Yeah. Which means at this point, you could get 7.5 maestros for a tank Abbott. I'd rather have the tank Abbott. Yeah, I'd rather have a Tank Abbott. Put it another way, you could have 0.14 of a Tank Abbott for a, my, for a maestro. <laughs> I'd rather have the 0.14 of a Tank Abbott. <laughs> still, still be Actually, maestro. That, that, that's doing maestro a bit of a disservice in WCW because he had that really fucking good entrance once. He did. It's sort of under the Russo period where they're trying to sort of elevate some of the mid-card. And they really did try and make spectacles of people like Maestro and um, the artist probably known as Prince Iakea, you know, trying to... I think think they did phenomenally well with artists formerly known as Prince Iakea. Prince Iakea was fine. I didn't mind him. But the artist with Paisley and, you know, the Prince-inspired shit, that was brilliant. And when they had Maestro with the piano being dropped from the ceiling, which I'm pretty sure he was... I know he's capable of playing the piano. I don't know if he actually was there. It looked brilliant. It was eye-catching. Yeah. Like well, it's, spectacle. The, it's the Mr. Wonderful theme um, that's the Maestro's theme. Uh, and when really? he arrived, he, yeah, he, he was always sort of in the corner of the arena, making it look like he was playing the piano either way, playing the Mr. Wonderful theme, and they're going, who's that? Sort of thing. Yeah, I actually remembered and realised it this time, not like the other four times I've... Uh, that's caught me off guard that it was the Mr. Wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> so at the start of the match, Bobby Heenan's saying that the maestro said that he's not going to go anywhere until he gets the proper respect he deserves. And Mike Cheney says, um, OK, I spell respect T-A-N-K, as in Tank Abbott. 
<laughs> it was a nice little line from Tanir. And um, like Tony Schiavone said, it's also a good way to spell, to spell oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, I, I didn't watch this too long ago, as you know, and it, it tickled me half an hour ago, and it's tickling me now. Yeah, uh, and Giovanni, he says completely, and I mean completely, dominating opponents. And he has. I mean, you know, Jerry, yeah. Jerry Flynn got a bit of offence in, but um, I think they even on commentary held up Jerry Flynn as, uh, as an exception. You know, even with his with his martial arts and kickboxing background, he couldn't stand up to the tank. Yeah, basically, you know, and they're saying that, you know, all Tank Sabbath's victories have been train wrecks and decisive. Um, you know, they did say that Jerry Flynn got um, a couple of submission holds or whatever in, but, you know, it, it's not enough to, to beat Tank. Tony Giovanni also says there's no grey areas with Tank Abbott. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. Knock the fuck out, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, sorry, to, I'm having a brain fat. Is Tank's record um, two and four going into this, or is it three and three? Uh, Tank's record going into this match is three and three. Yeah, three wins, three draws. Sorry, three zero and three. Three wins, zero losses, three draws. Well, it depends how you put it around. Yeah, he's not lost any. I think it's three wins, three draws, and three losses. No, no, no losses. But yeah, however, however you look at it, is he's undefeated and he's had six matches. Um, I, I, I always default to setting it up the way they do in boxing. Yeah. Well, I, I, we, should, we should refer to Tony Khan and see how we'd put it on the uh, little thing at the uh, above the name in AEW with the uh, win-loss record. So that we can do the opposite and do it right. Whatever his record is, just give us a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the pop for Tank Abbott? Oh, yeah, the crowd were well behind him at this point. Yeah, and this is... I think this is the first major pop that I remember hearing for Tank. You know, there was a there was a bit here and there, but that is definitely the first time you hear it. And you think, okay, yeah, they are. Everybody's getting it now. Yeah. So the bell rings. Bobby Heenan says that Tank Abbott can punch you, he can wrestle you, or can kick your head off. But while he's saying that, the maestro sort of turns to pose to the crowd, and Tank Abbott. Just hits him in the side of the neck. It's right on that horrible spot behind the ear, like you say, just into just where the where your skull connects to your neck, and it's just like muscle back there and whatnot. He just hits the off switch. Yeah, it was, tank, it was a good looking punch. Maestro goes down. Tank bends over uh, to pick um, to pick up Maestro's head, but realizes he's knocked out. He's just dead. He's just. On his back, absolutely out. The ref's trying to check on him. Tank's trying to pick him up, and and that's that. Yeah, it's it's four three and zero. Mike Tanay is saying that Maestro's just discovered the awesome punching power of Tank Abbott, <laughs> and in a week he might remember it. And then he said it was scheduled to be a shoot fight, but uh, it's ended by uh, which will end by knockout or submission only. Uh, and uh, Tony Schiavone said, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's, yeah, what a great, just what a great thing. He's had that, you know, he's had what by Tank's, had, uh, Tank's standards was a war against Flynn the night before. 
And then he's just come out tonight. He's seen this guy, you know, posing and preening and, and playing up to the crowd. And he's just thought, he's heard the bell rings. And off you fuck. Yeah. And Coventry are speculating who is going to step up to Tank Abbott next. And who's then. Ne- who's, who's next, if you will? Exactly. And then Northampton's own Norman Smiley's music hits. I, I was sat there watching it. And I just, all that went through my mind was, and I think he needed someone to say this to him. If Norman had run this by an English person in the back that he was going to go out and get in Tank Abbott's face, just turned around and going, oh, Norman, you silly bastard. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't do that. He just needs to tell him, someone to tell him, don't be so bloody stupid, doesn't he? Yeah. But, but Norman, Norman comes out and he's doing the Apollo Creed in Rocky IV for I, Ivan Draco. <laughs> I want you! Yeah. <laughs> he's giving it the bollocks, isn't he? He's all padded up with his uh, with his American football gear on. He's pointing the finger. He, he's giving it the bollocks until Tank actually gets outside and starts walking towards him. Tony Chavant says maybe the old Buckeye is going to step up to this guy because um, Norman Smiley is wearing an Ohio State um, jersey. Yeah. Uh, you know, so pop to the hometown. Um, and Mike Tenet said, you think screaming Norman is going to stop this guy? <laughs> he, he does a three-point stance as well. He does. He does. And, and just <laughs> while he's doing the three-point stance... Uh, someone in the crowd holds up a sign saying, I need a good funk. I saw that. What I wish we did. I wish we'd have covered this episode on uh, on the full UTT because that would have been sign of the night. We're back to Nitro as Tinder. Well, maybe we're just wishing that uh, there'd been Tank Abbott Terry Funk at this point. Oh, I, don't want, I don't want Terry Funk to die. No. Tank Abbott's stalking uh, Norman Smiley. Smiley's backing off. And then Meng comes out. And uh, we get a little bit of a face-off between Tank Abbott and Meng. To talk about being stuck between a tank and a hard place for Norman Smiley. (laughs) It's just... There's two people in wrestling history that you wouldn't want to be stuck between. It's them two, if they're going to start fighting. It was was got a bit weird from this point, though, because Norman looked like he was going to scarper. Then he came back and was sort of hiding behind Meng. And then he was pretending to hold Meng back. And then he's trying to also drag him away. Yeah. I don't, I don't quite know what Norman was trying to do, but eventually both Norman and Meng back off, which is bizarre to see Meng take a backward step. It, it, well, maybe he was just stunned by uh, someone holding up a I like Miss Pac-Man sign. <laughs> well, was there really any difference between Pac-Man and Miss Pac- Pac-Man except for the, the bow on her head? No. No, that that's it. That's the yeah. only discernible. Oh, the video game industry going for a cynical cash grab? Never. Never. Yeah. It, it, you know, it would have been um, downloadable content these days, wouldn't it? You could have uh, got so Pac-Man. You'd able to, you'd, yeah, you'd get Pac-Man, and then you'd be able to download Ms. Pac-Man, and then there'd be 57 unlockable or payable uh, different skins and arenas and and all the rest of it. You can earn them in-game by playing for a 1,000 hours, or you can give them give them 10 quid. Sorry, I've got a, my network in the background has just rolled on to another episode of, uh, of Nitro. Uh, the walls just choke slammed Kid Romeo, and somebody held up a sign in the crowd saying, I love camel toes. Well, 
we might get onto that uh, next week um, because um, that's the end of this segment. So the next match we're going to cover is um, Tank Abbott versus Al Green. And that's going to be on uh, Nitro a week after this match. So um, yeah, that that's the camel toe sign and Nitro that we're going to cover. I fucking ruined that one. <laughs> ah, we'll, we'll, we'll have it again next week. Let's uh, re- revisit it. It's uh, all about uh, repetition in uh, in this game, just as WWE. But before we, <laughs> before we get to that Nitro, there's an episode of Thunder. And on this episode of Thunder, three counts are going to perform the latest single. So we should probably watch that and see if anyone wants to get involved in that. We should, I think. It's, uh, it's definitely something we should cover just in case. Just in case anything. I say that I say that I say that slightly like I definitely know what's gonna happen. I know what I think's gonna happen. I definitely know what's gonna happen and we definitely need to cover it. Okay. I'm in for it. So where can people find you now? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. You can also find me on that 90s wrestling podcast where I do the monthly pay-per-view reviews with James, Mags, uh, Fake Lord, and uh, your good self, Rob. Uh, you can find that 90s wrestling podcast, uh, hopefully still under the same name when this goes out, that same username on uh, YouTube, give it a like and subscribe, and on Twitter as well. Excellent. You can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. Obviously, this show goes exclusively out on the Unbooking the Territory podcast channel. The main show is available on that channel and the 90s Wrestling podcast channel as well. Again, if it's still called that. You can follow the main show at UTT Podcast and you can follow these uh, special bonus series uh, podcast at UTT Tank. Hey, we do a Twitter account for it where yeah. you can find things where you can find things about Tank Abbott that may or may not be fact. They're all facts. Tank facts. Hashtag Tank, tank. facts. Thank you for listening. Tough duty. You're the maestro said today. What? I'm going nowhere till I get the proper respect I deserve. Okay. I spell respect T-A-N-K, as in tank. You're welcome. It's it's a good way to spell obliteration too. <laughs> he has completely, and I mean completely, dominated opponents. There is no gray area with Tank Abbott. You know what you get. We know what we got last night and sold out.